From Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. What happened to Spurgeon? Oh, his head fell off. Chopped his head. Yeah. The American church in the southern church. My Spurgeon bobblehead fell off of my shelf and his head fell off. The second one. So it, it was he fixed. is yeah, persecuted for the faith. <laughs> the cost. We're back for another episode on the stoops. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. We have a special guest in the building. I like when we have a special guests. That's right. I mean, I like looking at your faces, but I also like other people. You get bored with us. <laughs> we see each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's we too like much. to see it. We like to see a new it's face. It's too much. So uh, our special guest today is Alejandro Molera. Molera. Molero. 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 Let me say that again. Thank you. Alejandro Molero. I, 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 uh, Alejandro I Molero. Yeah, if I will be German, it's going to be like Alexander Mueller. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Venezuelan. <laughs> We're happy that you are. Our special guest today is Alejandro Molero. Yeah. That's good. Um, you're from Venezuela. I am. Born and raised. Born and raised. It's not a West Baltimore accident, uh, accent, <laughs> nor is it a D.C. accent. Actually, I'm from the South, uh, further South. I mean, I mean South, South, right. South. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I'm like Miami. Right. <laughs> no, further South. <laughs> All right. So Alejandro pastors a church in Washington D.C. Right. Uh, I've known you for quite a, quite a few years. Yeah, okay. um, you've actually stayed in my house. Kind of. And that yeah. is a yeah, kind of you actually did with my wife. Right. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I think I was living there at that time. Yeah. Oh, was that another pastor friend? I don't remember. There's a lot of people that stays with Joel. Right. Never mind. But uh, I'm just getting uh, excited. So you pastor in D.C. I want to talk about your church, your work, uh, and and work with the Latino community as a whole. But let's just first get to know you a little bit, shall we? Yep. I'm we here. need like some get to know you music, Eric. Like a jingle. And I don't have any music, man. No, no you are the like, music. I thought you were going to rap something. or do something. Okay. Let's get to know you. Okay. There you go. There you wow. Go. I think that, wow, I'm so honored. All right, brother. So you were born in Venezuela. I was born in Venezuela, in sunny Venezuela in 1975, in the midst of the nationalization of the oil industry. Hmm. Um, but it was the good 70s in my country back then. And I was raised by a Catholic family, uh, became a Christian, or better say, the Lord brought me to his um, kingdom when I was 11 years old, after a preaching on heaven and hell. I wow. came to faith terrified of die, wow. <laughs> dying, <laughs> and the Lord was merciful to me, bring me bringing me to his kingdom, showing me the love of Christ. And uh, I was convinced of my sins. I came to repent. And since then, since that November the 8th in 1986, wow. I've been learning and loving Jesus. Wow. Lots of mistakes, uh, but lots of grace as well. So evangelistic preaching that focuses on hell. Yes. Can actually be used 
to the glory of God for conversions. At least it worked for me. <laughs> Amen. Scared the hell out of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were waiting to say that. Yeah. You really wanted yeah. to make that joke. Looking, I was looking for, yeah. So I was a wow. 11, 11 years old guy. In my country, we prefer baseball uh, instead of soccer. But right. then I was playing baseball a lot. And two old ladies in the community, in that little church, were giving us some sodas and cookies. Mm. If in the middle of the game we listen to a message, hmm. now I know that that message was the gospel. But, but but then I wasn't interested in in any message, only in the cookies and the sodas. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm a preacher of the gospel. It's good. Okay, good. so how did you get to a preacher of the gospel then? Well, I started to grow when I was 11. Then when I was 15, I was in charge of the youth ministry. Uh, then when I was like 18 I was in charge of the youth ministry not only of the city but to the um, of the state where I used to live and then to the region I became the president of a youth movement in eastern Venezuela um, and that happened when I was like 18 to 20 I met my now beautiful wife we've been together for the last 23 years wow. two kids uh, Rebecca is 21 Benjamin is 18 um, and little by little, went to seminary, graduated in 2013, and I was pastoring a church part-time while I was um, a supervisor, a generation supervisor in a cement factory since 1992 to 2008 when President Chavez took over all the cement factories, and I know and knew that time that I didn't want to work for the government. Mm. <laughs> wow. So I told the church that I was pastoring part-time that I was going to quit my job, and he say, and they say, well, welcome here. So we need you. We want to have you as our pastor full-time. And we, uh, me and my wife talk, and even though that was half of the money we, I was earning from the factory, um, we knew that the Lord was calling me to pastoral ministry full-time, and since 2008 uh, to 2016, I was pastoring full-time the same church. Uh, I came here to CHBC doing a pastoral ministry, um, sorry, pastoral internship back in 2010. CHBC is Capitol Hill Baptist Church Capitol Hill in Baptist D.C. In D.C., and then... I went back to Venezuela for six more years to establish a more um, organized church. Mm. Uh, we're, we're planting churches and doing uh, ministry with youth, with adults, with kids, uh, preaching expository sermons and teaching some others, training some other pastors to take my place eventually. And mm. in, two, in 2015, uh American church over here in D.C. called me to plant a Spanish-speaking church in, in downtown D.C., and that's where I am right now. Since 2018, we planted Iglesia Bíblica Sublime Gracia in, in Columbia Heights in D.C. It's a lot of Latino community and lots of Spanish spoken over there. <laughs> wow. Have you ever had any uh, doubts like about your calling to, you know, to pastor? Yeah, the day. calling is something that must be subjective and objective. Uh, I've been doubtful for the first part, part of the subjective component of the, my calling. Uh, I was, you know, asking the Lord, hey, Lord, I know that you're calling me, but I want to know when you want me in full ministry or fully dedicated to the ministry. And that happened uh, 
objective calling from the church and from another church. They wanted me to be their pastor. So that, that subjective calling in myself was confirmed by a objective calling mm, from yeah. a church. That's good. Almost like desire and then right. opportunity. Correct. Yeah, Correct. an affirmation yeah. that way. Yeah, a noble, noble task. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That kind of thing. So, yeah, doubts I have always had. And even when some ministry tasks don't go well, right. uh, sometimes I doubt, um, but I clinch to the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that doubts are, even John the Baptist doubted. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was the cousin of the Lord. Right. Yeah. And he baptized him, and John the Baptist doubted. But um, my wife, my elders, my fellow brothers, my, my church helped me to keep on track, to keep on going. That's good. Sure. Amen. What were some of the challenges and maybe even the lights working bivocationally? So I don't know what kind of setting it was so maybe you can give some clarity to that yeah. but yeah what, what challenges that, that and is a good question i mean when i say that is a good question is because i don't know the answer <laughs> <laughs> um tons of tons of um delights in being a full-time pastor i mm-hmm. mean a, some other bivocational pastor need need to go a work elsewhere because churches are not able to pay them, especially in the Hispanic community. We don't have the full-time ministry uh, supported by the same church. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are um, people that earn few uh, money and we, we're f- little churches and sometimes they don't have en- enough money to pay their pastors. But being a full-time pastor, I mean, we couldn't believe that somebody's paying us to serve the Lord. Mm. Mm-hmm. But in the bivocational ministry, we cannot say that the the the, the sacred job is um, more important than the secular job. That mm-hmm. Luther and some other reformers think that we need both uh, in the whole church. Yeah. Uh, but coming from the bivocational world, um, and in that time, I was able to work in the factory and work in the church and serve in the church. Uh, but I didn't have time nor money <laughs> mm. because I earned little money, few money, uh, while while I was working in the factory, and I while while I was serving in the church, I didn't have the, enough free time to enjoy ministry with the church or enjoy uh, time and money with my family. Yeah. So coming out of the bivocational ministry and becoming to full ministry, I still don't have money, but I have time to enjoy with the family mm-hmm. with the church. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so you're here planting. You've been a church planter, pastor in D.C. for how long now? How many years? Uh, we, uh, we covenanted as a church in 2018. Yeah, 2018. No, three, three years. No. Three years. Yeah. Um, give us a, a snapshot of your church. Uh, it's a Spanish-speaking church um, planted out of Restoration Church in D.C., Northwest D.C. Um, Columbia Heights, where we are, is a very, very Hispanic community. It's like the, the capital city of the Hispanics mm-hmm. within D.C. limits. Um, all of the Hispanic, well, not all, uh, most of them or either work in there or live in there or hang out in there because lots of restaurants... Uh, lots of um, uh, businesses in 
I mean, you, you, you don't need the English to live yeah. in Columbia Heights. Yeah. It's like Miami. It's like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you don't... You, they you have don't their own English, language yeah. in Miami. Yeah. You can just speak what you want. Yeah. So, I say that. <laughs> um, we are now 20, 29 members. Um, 12 nationalities represented. Wow. Uh, it's a... Let me say that the average age is like 30, 35 years. It's a mid-age uh, for, for the Hispanic community. Um, mostly women. We have lots of women and sisters that are, I don't know if you're in your churches is common that m members, more, more members are female um, because, you know, men are, are either busy or prideful mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. they don't want to come to church. Yeah. And we're two elders. We have two deaconesses. Um, and we happen to be a... Um, healthy church, preaching expository and having membership, which is very distinctive in the Hispanic world. Um, they don't have... So that's uncommon. Yeah. It's very uncommon okay. to have membership, formal membership, yeah. Yeah, in, in, the, in a Hispanic church. Um, yeah, right now we're feeding the poor and helping the needy, the orphan, the widow, the undocumented, and... Everybody that is needing not only help for this life, but also hope for yeah, the next. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Can you uh, can you speak to some of the challenges that come with uh, ministering in the Hispanic community? Man, that's that's a lot, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If we have time. We got have time. time. <laughs> what would be well? Yeah. What would be things that we're not thinking of? Like what would yeah. be challenges that we don't think of in other contexts that you might face every day? Yeah, I would say the, the two most important um, issues are immigration. Uh, and because of that first one, immigration, um, uh, economics. And the first one, uh, immigration, I mean, you guys probably are not familiar with visas, immigration processes, what does it take to be a resident, or what? how much does it cost to 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 arrive over here to America, or you don't have any, any idea what does a illegal immigrant go through coming from the desert through the river and taking, uh, risking their lives. Mm. And you're not thinking in that way. Probably you don't know, sort of, probably you don't, or you do. Mm. Um, but man, I have listened to heartbreaking stories. Mm. Like, uh, let me say one of them, I cannot say the name, but that guy, I was, I saw him limping uh, and his knee was hurting. And he, I asked him, hey, what happened to that knee? Well, last year when I was coming through the border, uh, we had an accident in the night um, and eight people died in that accident. Mm. And I was hit in my knee and I asked him, Eight people die, and how many were in the in the in the truck? Man, we were 39 in a car. Wow! So you can imagine sardines in a can. Yeah. Mm. So there were 39 the people in a truck. Yeah. And the 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 driver was drinking and putting some cocaine in his nose, and the guy lose control of the truck, and they they had a crash, and eight people died, mm -hmm. and this. Now a brother uh, broke his knee, and now mm -hmm. he's limping because of that thing. So, so he came through the border illegally, 
and that cost ten thousand dollars to be put here. Yeah, and now he's here. <laughs> and now he's here. So Illegal. why would he have come here? What would have been his well, reason? Well, th there are all motives and varieties mm -hmm. of answer for that question, but most of them come here because uh, in their countries either are um, persecuted by gangs or there is um, no value for their work in there. So they come here to work, to make some money, live here, be been here, stay here, and send some um, couple of hundreds to their home places. Yeah. Um, but that's immigration. So uh, because of they are, some of them, several of them are undocumented, they cannot find a job. Mm. Or if they find a job, they could be exploited. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they are underpaid. Yeah. They need to work 80 hours a week yeah. to, to be able to, to put some food in their tables here and send some money to their, to their mm. home places. Yeah. Um, because they are underpaid. They yeah. are exploited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the immigration part. And then the, the, the economics one, uh, as, as I just said, they need to work a lot. Because, you know, they, make, they, they came here to make money. They, they didn't come here to, to do tourism, to travel, mm -hmm. to enjoy, to join a church, <laughs> yeah. to, join a church evangelize. To, be, to evangelize, to be entertained with right. God <laughs> things. Uh, they came here to make money. So, and, and, and they know that you could probably uh, listen to stories that some of them, especially women, that are undocumented or illegal, which is not the same thing, um, they are abused. Okay. And they need to be silent because they cannot go to the police mm. and sue anybody and say anything because they could be deported. Wow. Mm. So they need to be silent and, I mean, suffer yeah. in silence. Mm. And those stories that I hear, man, are heartbreaking every time. I was approached by a man. He said, hey, man, can you keep my daughter here because I'm going to the court in case they deport me. I want you to keep my daughter with you and your wife. And the little one, three years old, man, I was praying that he, <laughs> he will not be deported. Yeah. Yeah. Because story after story after story, I mean, few of them are nice yeah. resident or pursuing um, legality and being with a good status, and yeah. few of them are in that position. Yeah. I think you just speaking, you expose maybe even misconceptions people have about individuals who are undocumented or illegal. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that there probably is fear on, mm -hmm. um, on some individuals perspective and so i think you kind of not kind of you you presented their humanity mm -hmm. um and sure. speaking about that undocumented or illegal status not mm -hmm. dictating their identity mm -hmm. what has it been like for you as as you pastor um shepherd counsel listen walk with suffer with um individuals as you, through some of these subjects like what what's the hope of the gospel in these situations yeah most of the time there is a valid case for uh, being in that situation. Uh, I will say that only those who are running away from death, that their life is at risk if they go, if they go back to their countries, I mean, I will do the same. Yeah. I will yeah. do the same. I, yeah. I cannot say, hey, you need to get out of here. Yeah. Or, or 
in, on the contrary, if you made a crime, if you committed a crime in your country, you need to go back. Okay. If you come to the faith, you need to go back and, and face justice in your country. But, I mean, the majority, the bulk of the cases, if they come here without the little paper that says their name, and they come with a variety of motives and with a bunch of different narratives. Uh, but to all of them, I, we don't ask them if you are illegally undocumented to be a member of the church. We ask them, how can we help you? And we're treating them as we will treat Jesus, because is that what says in yeah. Matthew, Matthew 24, says, sure. whatever you do to the least of these, yeah, you do the it to me. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> we don't we need a keyboard don't, don't, in here. Dude, don't let me preach, man. But in that case, I mean, what what we do is to minister and to share the gospel to the needy, to the widow, to the orphan, and to the stranger. Yeah. Which sure. is a a Bible call that yeah. we need to do uh, even I mean, no matter what. Yeah. We need to share bread with yeah. the gospel to the stranger. The alien. Mm. To the, the alien, exactly. Yeah. And and I mean, we, we don't ask, hey, show me your residence card. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Show me your green card yeah. in order right. to, for us to know yeah. if we can share a bread with you yeah. or share the gospel if with I you. I can no, give you a loaf of bread. Yeah. 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 yeah, we share it with everybody. Christ being the example. Yeah. One thing that's you said good. I think that's that's so helpful for me is it, as a church that thinks about membership as well, somebody's coming in as a member, um, is, the, is this person in unrepentant sin? And... Uh, there, let's say that this person is here uh, without documents illegally, which, by the way, I want you to tell us the difference between that. But okay. before you do, um, the question is is uh, is not whether or not they cross the border illegally, but really it's a question of the heart. Correct. Are they running away from a crime? Yeah, correct. It's a heart issue. Yeah. Uh, are they here because they're running for their life? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's what we need to figure out. Um, and we have faced cases with men pursuing leadership. Yeah. Not for membership, but pursuing leadership because they need to be models to the flock. Yeah. Uh, in a case that somebody's running from their life, I mean, their lives is at is risk. Uh, we have had many Salvadorians, for example, running away from gangs. Mm-hmm. And they they're going to kill this yeah. guy and his family. What are you going to do? And what are you going to do? You need to flee out. You need yeah. To, yeah. to get out of there yeah, because right. your yeah. life is at risk. Yeah. I will do the same. Um, and I will say that's not a crime. Yeah. The that's law not is a crime. made for man, not man for the law. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. I mean, in, in the sense of protecting your family, that's a valid case for a refugee case. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can come here and cross the border and apply for asylum or for a refugee status, but after being here, that's not a crime. I mean, that's the yeah. that's the legal way to do it. You're you're getting out of your country, and if you go through a border or to a, a custom, you're not going to be allowed because you don't have documents, you don't have a passport, you don't have a visa. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna deport you right there. Uh, but if you have a case of man, that's and I learned. It, um, that the name of that those cases are valid fear. That's yeah. what they call it. I mean, the mm-hmm. law is called that 
valid fear because you have a valid fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one would leave home. No. Right. Unless home no longer Unless, wants correct, you. Correct. That, right? Unless that's your it. life is at risk. Yeah. And and that's a valid fear. That's one one thing to say. But if you want to come to the states because you want a better life, you want a comfort, you want a, you want more money, you want to earn dollars and you want to live a the, the American dream, you want to live a beautiful life that reflects that you have an idol in your heart. That that you want to be here rather than being in the country where you were born. So, if it's a matter of materialistic uh, desire, we will say, "Man, what are you trying to do?" So yeah. you're you're better in your country, right. and you don't have to be here underpaid. You don't need to work in your country. You don't need to work forty uh, plus or sixty or eighty hours a week. Uh, man, you're gonna be mistreated over here because you're undocumented. Um, status um, allows some bad guys to explode you. Yeah. So we have told many guys, hey, what are you doing here? I, I can tell you one. One is a Colombian man, and I told him, man, what are you doing here, man? Yeah. You, you're going to be better in your country. Yeah. Your, your, your life is not at risk. You, all your family is over there. You're, you're uh, sleeping in the streets. What are you doing here? Yeah. So go yeah. back to your country. And the weather is definitely better in <laughs> Colombia. <laughs> okay, man. Consistently time so. better. Yeah. Consistently no, that's so, so helpful, man. Like it's it's yeah. about the heart. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about, the, about heart. the paper. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not about the paper. So helpful. Yeah. yeah. Out of a, a typical church in your context, how much? How many folks in the population uh, in your membership percentage wise might be undocumented or illegal? And don't share if you're not. I don't mean necessarily your <laughs> church. Okay. I mean that's okay. Yeah. Generally Context. speaking, yeah. 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 You're, you're and, and I ask that for economic question on like, man, can these churches ever even be self-sustaining? When we think of Spanish-speaking church yeah, plants, it's hard. What it's, are we doing? Yeah. yeah, it's hard. I would say that uh, twenty-five to thirty percent of the the members are undocumented. Visitors is another story. Okay. Mm. Um, but members are 25 to 30% are undocumented. Um, I don't think it's easy for Hispanics or Spanish-speaking church to be self-sustainable because of the economic part. Most of them are either undocumented or illegal, and that makes them to be underpaid, as I said. So for a normal American English-speaking church, you will need like a hundred people to be self-sustainable because you're going to have a tenth of mm-hmm. their yeah. income uh, to pay a pastor or to to sure. have a decent giving. budget if yeah. they are given faithfully. Um, but for a Spanish-speaking church, you will have to double that. Probably you will need 200 people to th- start thinking in full-time ministry yeah. supported by the same own church. Yeah. Um, and then when you think about the transient nature of the community... Yeah, I would imagine people coming and going. Yeah, um, well, not not, not so, not so, not necessarily, not necessarily, because you know, in a community as, at least as DC, uh-huh. in the in the Anglo um, um, people, they come to DC for two or three years for an internship in the federal government. They're the, and they're they're gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the Hispanic community. Don't do internships in the federal government. <laughs> <laughs> so they're stable. They're stable yeah. there. They don't. They go. They don't go on vacation. Yeah. This all the summer is. Yeah. Working season. <laughs> yeah. And they are where jobs are available. Gotcha. And mm-hmm. they try to stay 
when they have a stable job. Mm. So then somebody comes along and says, all right, the game plan for self-sustainability is you need 200 people. Mm -hmm. Go. Mm. Why is it hard to gather 200 people? What's, what's, what are the challenges here? Same thing, because they didn't come here to be entertained with the right. idea of God. Yeah. They came here to make money. And man, I, they even have three jobs. They don't sleep. Because they, they, have, they got out of one job, immediately take the metro or the bus and go to the other place, workplace, mm -hmm. and then eight hours or Six hours later, they go to the other job and then connect the following day with the first job. Yeah. They barely sleep and they have zero free time. They don't go on vacation. They don't enjoy life. They don't rest. And they, I mean, some, most of them, well, not most, most, some of them don't even have their families here. Right. So why in the world they will go to church on Sunday? So why? Why? Well, but you still have individuals That's that are right. in your church. You've got 29. you got 29 well, covenant well, I, I are, by the grace of God, convinced. <laughs> Isn't that all of us? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. They need That's him. Right. Yeah. That's right. Amen. We're, we're right obey, there. Yeah. They obey um, happily the command. So it's of, long, hard work. Yeah. That's, that's Man, really it's the point. Long, long, it's yeah. hard, hard work. It's so interesting, the parallels, because uh, you, you bring up concepts like, you know, rest, barely eating moving from job to job right yeah. and then we have on our block where some of it, the desires are pleasure and there is a different type of work i'd say the work um is not done uh maybe sometimes because of someone authoritatively saying you should work it's a good thing mm -hmm. but sometimes it's like i want to do everything on my terms but both are spinning like hamsters on a wheel mm -hmm. both of those spectrums are both saying yeah. Uh, you don't rest, and you, you maybe you rest right. too much. Like there's so many spe there's so yeah, many spectrums. Yeah. As you I share mean, that. all the extremes are bad. Yeah. I mean, we need to work these days and at at least rest one day. Right. And dedicate that day to the Lord because the um, command of six plus one is a model from God in the yeah. creation. Yeah. Uh, but they don't know God. They don't respect God. They don't. I mean, most of the Hispanic community. I mean, the members. They are mm -hmm. trained to do that, and they value. Um, meeting with the church. They mm -hmm. even um, uh, regret when they need to wow. work on Sundays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The members regret yeah. when they have to to go cleaning the carpets of the offices on Sundays mm -hmm. uh, or either working in a restaurant as a waitress or a Uber driver or doing something in the Sunday, in the, mm -hmm. the Lord's Day because they are missing yeah. gathering with the saints. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but the normal Hispanic men or women that comes to the States to work, they have no idea what day of the week is. Wow. They go to work and make some money. Yeah. <laughs> the various approaches out there on Spanish-speaking ministry. Uh, we've got some churches that might do Spanish-speaking ministry, mm -hmm. but it's not really an autonomous church. Yeah. You know, it's a ministry of, it's ministry to... But we're not really gathering a membership uh, mm. of an, an autonomous church. Uh, then uh, others might uh, just ignore the community altogether yeah. uh, because it just seems too hard. Yeah. You're actually doing an autonomous church plant, and what I mean by autonomous is is that you're you know your elders, congregation, self-governing, yeah. um, and you've got funding from other churches. Correct. As you think about like other communities, even. For us, it's one hope, is we want to plant churches in some of the hardest areas. Mm -hmm. 
Um, what are some of the best ways that we ought to be thinking about gearing up for Spanish-speaking ministry, church plans? Yeah, that's a good question because um, I don't know where the model of uh, Hispanic ministry come from, um, but it's the, the best way is to have a autonomous Spanish-speaking church. Not treating that, if you want to plant a Spanish-speaking church, don't, don't refer to that church as a our daughter church. Mm-hmm. Mm. Refer to that church as a sister church. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming back to the Hispanic ministry, I think the language barrier uh, makes some um, English pastors slash churches to bring a guy and having him uh, in their church as a member and training him, walking him, and maybe sending him to go to look for another Spanish-speaking ship. Uh, but they don't trust that his training is mm. good enough to pastor something. <laughs> or they don't think, well, um, some churches have um, uh, said that this guy is not... Uh, stable enough to keep pastoring the church after we sent him mm. um, because of the economics part again um, many bad examples we have had about a guy a Spanish speaking uh, planter that is taking money from whoever maybe the mm. convention or some other churches partners and we sent you and in two three years that guy is gone again and the work is already falling apart because the guy is pursuing ministry mm-hmm. or mm. money from another source. Gotcha. So what I believe is uh, having having the planter interviewed and considering his background, not only in the States, but also in his mm, home country. Who are you? How's your family? Who recommends you? Mm. What churches have you pastored in the last 10 years? And if this guy... Um, demonstrates to be faithful to the Lord and to his church and to his um, wife. So why don't you help him to have some order in his church, at least a uh, uh, level of commitment, a uh, level of uh, organization in his church, and some uh, creed or statement of belief that he could grab m- maybe Baptist faith and message of another creed that is respectable. Mm-hmm. What we don't have is order in our churches in Latin America. Uh, even, even visitors are members. If they sign a paper, they are members. <laughs> so <laughs> if you help a guy to develop a ministry, bring in a Spanish-speaking ship, and if you help him to have some uh, commitment, constitution, and a creed, that's going to be a sure, uh, healthy church that you're going to help to be there for for years in faithfulness to That's the good. Lord. Yeah. And so, that protects the flock, and it protects yeah. the flock from possible wolf. Yeah. And that um, that helps a well-meaning pastor to be, check his motives, yeah. and also prepare himself not to and, be And protects crushed. the gospel in the city. Yeah, amen. I mean, we're not given bad testimonies of the gospel, um, but because of the relationship of two sister churches, not mother and daughter church. So going back to immigration real quick. Um, so, you know, in the Old Testament, God, it, he's always like made provision for the sojourner, for mm-hmm. those like outside of the covenant community. Mm-hmm. So today, can you think of some ways in which the church 
um, like practical ways in which the church can help those that are immigrants? Yeah, I think man. you mentioned like some before, but can you think of some other ways? Yeah. Um, um, right now in the pandemic year, we were feeding uh, those who lost their jobs. Mm. I mean, it's not easy to get money out of the pocket of any institution, yeah. even when you have limited resources in the church. But loving Jesus, we, we need to be able to, to put our hands in and out of uh, our pockets and feed the hungry, feed the needy, fill their bellies, pay their bills, and trying to create, to not create a dependency relationship. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Helping them, uh, there was a lady, I mean, we, we've been helping 900 59 different families in the last year, feeding their bellies, paying their bills, and helping with medicines, transportation. And, but one lady, I remember that, she say, hey, with, I mean, she had tears, and she had tons of thankfulness in her heart, and beautiful words to, to me, my wife, and, and the team. And she say, thank you, Pastor Alejandro, for doing this. Uh, let me translate this word. She say, uninterestedly or mm. on with with no self-centered mm, mm-hmm. with no interest yeah. basically yeah. she said thank you for doing this with no interest and she said and i said who told you that we're doing this with no interest <laughs> and she and her face like what happened in here where, yeah. where, where do i have to sign or pay <laughs> do we need to pay taxes after receiving these books mm-hmm. food and she and i, I uh, continue saying that we're doing this with the sole interest that, that you know the love of Christ mm. and nothing else. Yeah, we're share, sharing the gospel and, and feeding Jesus and Jesus in their faces and the little ones giving some jackets when when the weather was cold yeah. and just giving some replacing their shoes when their shoes have uh, holes to step on the snow mm-hmm. or just just feeding, helping them, bringing medicines or bringing jackets or, or even taking them to their jobs. Uh, there was a, a couple who had, uh, had a little baby and they didn't have a stroller. We just emailed our um, network. Hey, does somebody have a stroller for this new baby? I mean, three strollers came yeah. in. And we're just having strollers now in my office, expecting for babies to come. <laughs> so you need to be creative in yeah. the ways of helping the needy, the poor, the stranger, the widow, the orphan. Because, I mean, we're, we're slow to put our hands and to write some checks uh, because we don't want to create a dependency relationship. But, I mean, in, at least in this year, this crazy year, I mean, the, the Lord helped us to be... Uh, less self-centered, and maybe breaking some human laws because of the greater law of yeah. the love. Yeah. That we need to do something Amen. for those who are not going to receive a Amen. benefit check from Amen. the government. Amen. Wow. So wow. It's, you need to be creative True. in ways of wow. um, how to help yeah. those who nobody else is helping. That's good. Better yeah. preach but, on this. I mean, the... The biggest help you need to to be to to have available for them is the help for the next life. Yeah, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only hope they have. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
<laughs> I got nothing Hallelujah, else to brother. say. Yeah, amen, right? Man, it's on that note, so good to thank you, you for stoop, coming. Well, Appreciate it. Yeah. I never preach in English, so hey, thank you for having me. No, here. yeah, you're always welcome <laughs> to the school. Well. Uh, it, it was clear. It was clear. It was clear. The gospel makes a man happy. Yeah. That's his phrase. Man and woman. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Stoop Sessions. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives.